What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Eastern Current. We've got a great local guest on here today. Uh, we're going to talk about wintertime speckled trout and maybe get into a little bit of redfish. Uh, just kind of talk about some of his tactics. Uh, he, he also gets very into uh, following the weather and different trends like that throughout this time of year, which is super helpful. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, definitely stick around. We're going to have a great conversation. Before we get going, though, I uh, just want to remind y'all, go check out Eastern Current Fishing on Facebook. Just a great place to connect with other listeners. Um, go to our Patreon page if you want any extra content or you want to help support us. It definitely helps uh, pay for all the back-end stuff, all the little subscriptions that add up uh, to produce this podcast. And it is super helpful, and it's always just such an encouragement when I see the people over there um, that really dig the content. So I appreciate that if you're already on Patreon. If not, go check it out. It's 5 bucks a month, which is like a cup of coffee a month, and it's just super helpful. Um, the other thing, too, is go check us out on uh Instagram. It's Eastern Current on Instagram, and you can also uh, check us out on YouTube, and we appreciate all of those. But uh, we're going to get into our conversation today. Excited about it, and uh, I'm going to bring on our guest here. His name is Captain Ozzy. What's up, Ozzy? What's up, big cat? Oh, nothing much. Nothing much. I appreciate you uh, you making some time to hop on here and do a podcast with us. Heck yeah, man. Stoked to be here. For sure. For sure. We were just talking pre-show. <laughs> Uh, me and Ozzy were like kind of discussing the layout of the show, what we're going to talk about, and and uh, it's always it's always I, I was telling him it's always tough because sometimes the best parts of the conversation are like before you press record. And I was like, we can't talk too much; we just need to get into it, and uh, we'll make some good content. So, uh, yeah, man, super super stoked that you're on here. So, Ozzy, kind of give people your backstory: where you're from, how'd you get into fishing, and uh, how does it brought you to you know becoming a charter captain and where you are today. Uh, yeah, so that's actually a, a pretty cool story that, um, or at least I think it's cool. Uh, so <laughs> I grew up on the west side of the state, um, right out in between, well, the foothills of the mountains yeah. in North Carolina, um, pond hopping and bank fishing and all that good stuff. But when I was in high school, we moved down to the coast, and um, that was probably the best thing ever to happen to me because uh, my first job was at... Um, a tackle shop there in Holly Ridge. It's no longer there. And, um, so that was a good place to feed the fishing addiction. And yeah, I got for a kayak sure. and I was chucking gulp for lizard fish. And, <laughs> uh, so I got into it, but, uh, what was really pivotal was a guy at my church actually gave me a spook junior and he come up to me. He's like, look, man, you learn how to use this lure, right? And I'll take you on the boat. Um, That's awesome. you don't know how to use it. You're useless uh, on the boat. <laughs> That's all the way through. And um, so anyways, <clears throat> I would walk down to where the, the road ended and the waterway started, and I learned how to throw that Spook Jr., and uh, it was like day two, and uh, I was using this lure, and I was like, man, I don't know what's out here, there's no fish here, yada, 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 and no sooner did I finish that thought that I got my first um, speckled trout topwater blow up. Nice. Uh, January 1, and I'll never forget it. That's awesome. It 24 inches long. Uh and from that day <laughs> forward, I was absolutely ruined. I was like, that's it. I'm, uh, I now identify as a speckled trout guy. Like, that's all I want to do. <laughs> that's awesome. So, um, and from there, man, the, I mean, the addiction grew. Um, I ended up graduating high school. And um, apparently people send you money for graduating high school. So I got a boat, man. I got a little aluminum boat when I graduated. That's awesome. And uh, just kept feeding that addiction. Got hired at Eastern Outfitters. Um, and just one thing after another, just got further and further into this uh, fishing addiction. And here I am now. Uh, 
I'm a full-time firefighter in the city of Wilmington. And so that gives me 20 days roughly out of the month off. Uh, we have a pretty cool schedule where 24-hour shifts and um, about 10 days a month we're on shift. And the rest of that time, the 20 days out of the month, uh, we get to be a part-time something else. But uh, That's awesome. So, um got a marker 23 and uh, chose to be a fishing guide and it's been fantastic so far i get to uh, uh share this addiction i keep calling it an addiction but uh get to share that with other people and um that's kind of where i'm at and what i'm doing now that that really is the best part of it man and it, it takes certain people because it is it is all about you know creating that experience for other people every day, different people learning how to cope and, and experience the same thing every day or well, sometimes better days, sometimes worse days, but making it different and, and for each client and for each guest that gets on your boat. And, you know, a lot of people want to guide and it is really fun, but at the end of the day, you can't guide because you want to go out there and catch fish every day. You got to guide because you enjoy people and you enjoy sharing that passion with others. But I think that brings more joy to anybody sharing something they're passionate about, whether it be fishing or golf or painting or whatever it might be. You know, right. when you can share that with someone else that then grasps that same passion that you have, that is what is so addicting about guiding. The days yeah, where yeah. it's blowing 35 and crappy, those aren't the addicting days. Um, no. But no, it, yeah. it, it all I comes together. Got um, on my first day, when when that pivotal moment in my fishing career, I got ruined. Like I said, I was I was throw, trying to learn how to throw a spook, and I caught that 24, and 10 casts later, I had um, four fish over 22 inches. Golly. Redfish, so if y'all stick around to the end of this podcast, Ozzy's actually going to share that spot with y'all on here, GPS coordinates and all. So I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah, (laughs) you didn't know I was going to throw that at you. Um, no, that he will definitely not be sharing that that spot as like one of my top spots. Like, really, and I didn't know it at the time, but uh, like on tournament days and all that stuff, I love the trout tournaments, and that's like number one. I'm I'm going there every you know, that's awesome. When the water temperature is XYZ, I'm at that spot, yeah, for sure. Well, well, getting in the GPS, I know, I know, I'm just gonna have to, I'm gonna have to track you around, man. Um, (laughs) so, so take me through this real quick. What would you say was one of the scarier moments when you were like, all right, I'm gonna start guiding? What, what did it, was there anything that, that you were nervous about moving into doing that from taking it from recreational into like a, you know, a career? Um, and if not, that's fine. But, but if there was, yeah, I, I got into guiding in a pretty unique, uh, well, unique to me way. Uh, so like I said, I'm a full-time fireman in yeah. the city and I tore my ACL, which gave me, you know, a ton of time off to heal this knee up. And, um, I've always, I wanted to guide with all that time off. I'm like, I need to become a guide, but yeah. working all the time and doing other part-time jobs. Um, I call them part-time jobs, but it's more like, if you look at the hours, it's more of a full-time job. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, um, when I tore that ACL, I was able, I had all the time. So one week I decided to Google, you know, where the nearest captain's license processes was. And, and one week from that day, they were holding a class in Oriental, North Carolina. and Old um, Worldwide Marine Training? Yes, sir. That's Absolutely. where I did it. Yeah, that's a, that's a great little spot. Yeah. Did you stay on campus? When I did. Were... Yeah, I went up there and stayed there. It's, it's super cool, right? All that farmland around. It was like a little vacation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I stayed in this little bunk room. I would say, uh, as silly as it is, the most stressful decision or the most stressful part of the whole process was like, and now I have four days 
to decide, am I going to do this career choice or am I not? Um, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, I, man, I went for it and uh, went down to Oriental. Um, but I say I would say since guiding and since uh, taking this on, the most stressful part for me has been uh, uh, probably hour number one and a half in a trip. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if, if that makes any sense. It makes sense for sure. Like if we are getting bites or if we're not. Um, hour number one and a half, number two, I'm like, okay, what's the rest of the day looking like? Because right. that's kind of where I'm going to make my decisions for the rest of the day and how the trip's going to look. But, man, I've actually been really fortunate. I've not really had any um, stressful or worrisome moments. I've had absolutely, I mean, so far, awesome clients. I've obviously not done it as long as probably you have. But um, this far in my career, in my guiding career, it's, it's been pretty much uh, all smiles. Heck I've yeah. had some pretty stressful trips as me as the captain. Uh, <laughs> putting people on fish. Putting on a, a happy face. They have no clue what's going on. That Everything's yeah, right. happy and good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been, I've, I've had awesome clients and even on some, we've had some really tough bites yeah. this January. I feel like this January has been one big um, Northeast post front. Golly, um, it has. But, and, and through that tough bite, man, the, 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 customers or clients and guests that I've had have been super stoked just to be out there and and they're awesome and we've gotten along so I don't really know that I've had any any bummers or worrisome moments or any stressful moments that's good far. making that decision uh that quick was kind of tough but yeah yeah for sure I like what you said about hour one and a half to a trip and that, that plays into you know being a guy but also being just a recreational fisherman um, you know, a lot of wheels start turning like on the, I mean, if you're catching fish, it's one thing, but the tougher days, sometimes it takes an hour and a half to really get, get figuring out what's going on, especially with trout. I mean, there's yeah. that magical time of fall where you go out and there's trout where you want them to be and you catch them every cast or you're, you're you know, you know, you're on them. Um, but this time of year, I mean, it's, it's, sometimes it takes, you know, the night until the ninth inning where you, the, the, everything's clicked and you start catching them and you're like, yeah. you guys, let's make this four hour trip, a six hour trip on me. We'll sit here and catch some more fish, <laughs> but it's <laughs> happened to me before. Um, but, yeah. but that, that's, that's where it you kind of, you know, I, I find myself either f falling into like a scramble and I'm, I end up blowing the day because I'm, I'm start running around too much and moving around too much. Yeah. And you'll make decisions. Otherwise you normally wouldn't make because right. now you're scrambling. And when but you, you have someone else's, you know, their their trip in your hand. It's one thing if it's myself on the boat or you and I are on the boat, but when you've got yeah. paying customers, that stress level rises quicker. You know. Yes. So. And you would make different decisions. Definitely. Oh, so, I maybe not you, but I know me. If I get into that scramble mode, and I'm like, oh crap. I, I feel like I would make different decisions then. Oh, but definitely. If I was to play it cool, and if Ozzy and Judd were on the boat, I'd be like, man, we'll just you know mosey <laughs> on, cool, calm, collected, yeah. and it would probably end up better. Oh yeah, I've definitely had some trips where it's like last spot. I'm running 45 minutes further away to like they're got to be in this one area. I'm gonna go check this, and you burn yeah. all this time running. And so it's it's not all it's not always wins, but hopefully you can make it come together each time, or we can make it come together each time. But yeah. um, trout fishing here this year has been a little bit tougher, um, at least for myself. Even through the the peak of you know the trout season and when most people want to be targeting speckled trout. Um, has there been any any lure for you? This is kind of jumping right into lures a little bit. We're just going to roll with it. Um, oh, yeah. That you're confident with yourself, but also handing to a client on a tougher day when you're searching for fish? Okay, that's a great question. So I would say for um, the 2020 20 slash 
2021 trout season um, from, you know, September to right now, uh, February, whatever it is, um, my lure, I've caught the most citation, the most, you know, my big trout have come on the uh, MR27 Mardi Gras color. Nice. Um, that has been the most phenomenal lure this season. Um, but it's kind of slowed down. And the reason it slowed down because I don't have the patience for a 27 when the water temperatures, I, mean, I know today it was 47 and the couple of days prior it's been 45 and I think I saw 43 one yeah, morning. Yeah, I saw 43 this week too. Cold. That's that's cold. That's like going to start killing our fish if we don't turn things around. Right. So, I think according to the textbook, trout can tolerate 48 degree water temperature. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and you give or take a little bit. I know that's textbook. So once you get into 43, like you're fishing cold water. And the MR27, though it's a bigger bait and casts better because it's a heavier bait, it actually does sink slower. So for me, the 27 is kind of starting to die off um, as far as going to being my go-to lure. Yeah. But, and when the, when the temp is like today, we had a warmer day, 47. Um, and we get back into the fifties. I'm really, really heavy on that 27 yeah. and that draw color for whatever reason has been, uh, a, a go-to color, but I'm also fishing, uh, brown water, yeah. um, from the new river to the surf city bridge, maybe a little bit past that, but, um, and just probably a little bit north of that when you start to get into Onslow Beach area. Um, that's kind of my target zone. Yeah. But um, So we, we fish the dirty water, the brown water. Um, when we say it's a clear day, uh, you guys would probably say you know, it's a pretty day. <laughs> um, I love the dirty water, man. I, a lot of times, especially the redfish, they'll eat so much better in a little bit of stained water. Um, oh, yeah. Trout, too. I mean, the trout, this time of year in that clear water, I'm fishing eight pound test and, you know, Definitely. fishing it slow. And, um, it's, it, it, there, there's a lot of trout around right now, but they, they're just hard to get them to eat. And it, you're I, it, honestly, I probably shouldn't even try to fish for them mm-hmm. too much in this temperature. Cause I, I feel like, I don't know. Do you, do you think catching a trout right now, it's got a good chance of dying if you don't obviously kill it yourself or I, if I killed it myself, you think that they release okay. in, in this cold water. You know that's a that's a great point, and uh, me as an angler, in that conversation of, um, I don't know if it's trout converse, you know, conservation yeah. or does the trout die? I'm actually gro- growing in an in that compartment. Oh yeah, it's mm-hmm. the big view when it comes into um, trout survivability and stuff like that. I'm growing and learning yeah. right now. Um, so I want to say it definitely has a lesser of a chance because not only is it struggling to live right now, but then you're putting that extra stress on it. Yeah, um, yeah. So I would say honestly, without you know making up an answer, I, I'm not entirely sure what, for sure what that does. But I, I definitely try to make that process of from the hook set to release as quick as I can. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and it's not like you, it's not like, not you in general, but Pete, it, when the water's that cold, it's probably unlikely that anybody's going to get on like a fire trout bite and catch a bunch of fish and injure a bunch of fish. It's like, if you catch a couple fish, you're not going to really do any damage. It's, I'm just always curious as to, you know, um, 
how that how the fish tolerate it because like redfish you can take you can catch a redfish this time of year take it out of the water for like five minutes and put oh, it back in the water and takes off just fine i mean he'll take off I, slow but they're they're, they're fine yeah. with it i absolutely love how pissed off a redfish is this time of year yeah. uh, just as a matter of fact i was trout fishing today and bumped into a couple of redfish and of course when you're trout fishing and you catch a redfish you're like i've got the man yeah just the dirty 30 um but anyways i absolutely love how angry the redfish will get this time of year um i feel like you could t- like you said have them out five minutes out of the water yeah put them back in the water and they're gone they're just gone yeah yeah it's impressive I, I enjoy that about redfish in this time of year but whereas the trout it does it does worry me a little more but this is also what i consider the big girl weather yeah um, it is for sure yeah this big girl Not weather sure. Not sure when this gets posted or not, but today was uh, about a day off from the big girl weather. We had that with northeast 15, 20 miles an hour wind, and um, this is definitely the time of year, maybe outside of the spring, that I love to target big trout. Yeah, definitely. Uh, That's a great point that you make about um, keeping them out of the water and their survivability and for sure i would i'd be cool to talk to a biologist about that and kind of understand if, yeah. if if it does really affect them all that much more um but the the cool thing about when it gets this cold is when you do get a couple warm days then these fish feed really hard because they've been sitting there not eating anything for the most part and laying around yeah and it, it, the trends kind of change it's like in the fall you want to go fish when that nasty cold front's coming in it's starting to cool mm-hmm. off and this time of year as far as bites go, maybe not big fish, but if you want to go catch sure. numbers of trout, you get that warming trend in the winter. It seems like you can go out and catch more fish on that warming trend. That's right. That's um, right. But but That's, yeah, in the summertime when we wait on the we wait on or at least I wait on that rain shower to come in oh, yeah. and cool the water down, and then in the winter we're waiting on the the warm. It definitely flips. I, I know like right now to get forty seven. Or even into the 50s is is like a you know I'm definitely going fishing right. the next few days definitely. and then in the summertime when we get in two three days of rain and it cools the water down from 90 to whatever 80 or something um, then you get the same mentality it's definitely sure. sweet we're whatever the dog day dog days of summer whatever the equivalent is that's what we're in now yeah we're looking for all the, the warm and the silk bottom and all that stuff for sure anything to warm it up just a little bit definitely definitely um a funny story about redfish and temperature tolerance um i have caught them back in the creeks in the cape fear river in the summertime when the my temperature gauge has 93 degrees in the water and they're smashing shrimp on the bank and then i've been in louisiana before in the dead of winter on like a snowstorm and there was ice on the water and we had to, we were throwing flies to these fish and the fly wasn't sinking. And are like, what the heck? Why isn't it sinking? Strip it in, throw the fly to the fish again. Doesn't sink. It's like 10 fish just laid up on this edge and we're like, holy crap, that is ice. The fly was landing on top of ice. <laughs> and then finally the fish swam out from underneath the ice and threw a fly to him and one just crushed it, you know, and that there was yeah, li- no. literally 32 degree surface water and, uh, and they ate it 93 degree water and they ate it. So those, those redfish are about as hardy of a fish as, as you're going to find. Yeah. I mean, they thrive yeah. through the winter up in the Chesapeake Bay and their, their puppy drum fishery right. up there from what I've heard is, has gotten really good. You know, you get those big migratory fish that stay in the ocean, but their, mm. their, their puppy drum fishing is apparently, you know, really, really good now. So, um, and that is sick. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. That really speaks to, I mean, probably every trip that I've been on, 
I've said that fish don't play by a certain set of rules. Right. Because um, I love, we'll get it in the first spot number one, and everybody's excited and stoked and everything. I love to lay out the game plan, like, look, they're going to be sitting under this log because this and the barometer of that. Right. And then I get done with my spill and, like, you know, explaining why we are where we are and what we're doing. And then I, I end it off almost every time, like, but fish don't play by a certain set of rules. Kind of like a caveat, but, uh, and that, your story is a perfect example of that, like, crushing flies on top at 32 and, you know, being in a creek when it's that warm and stuff like that. So it's, it definitely goes to show that fish do not play by a certain set of rules. Yeah. They're impressive, man. They're, they they really are, you know, especially redfish, just a hardy, hardy, great game fish. And, um, you know, trout are the same way. They're a little more temperature tolerant, but they still have quite a huge range. I mean, the fact that people catch them all the way up into Maryland and catch right. them all the way down into Texas and into yeah. Mexico even. I mean, Mexico, I've, right. I've, I've caught them down in Mexico on a trip I was in down there and, and or I was on down there and just crazy to see, you know, their, right. their range is pretty huge. But, um. Let's let's talk a little bit because we kind of talked on the phone about this, but uh, you're asking if I kept and, and I hate to say that I don't, but if I kept a, a fishing log or journal. Um, uh-huh. Fortunately, I'm I'm just way too scatterbrained and and really downright lazy, too lazy to keep a, a, a journal that would be worth anything. But um, kind of talk on that and share with people what you like to keep track of and how that helps you, um, you know, with your day on the water. And maybe we even talked about like how t- sometimes it can be really discouraging to have, have a journal and be like, all right, I got to go fish today. That's right. No, you're exactly right. So the easiest way to keep a you know, fishing log, I actually have one right here. Amazon sells, you know, not that I'm nice. supporting or sponsored by anything. I'm just saying <laughs> these fishing log, super basic um, fishing log, and they kind of spell it out for you. Yeah. What's the water temp? What's the depth? Blah, blah, blah. And then they give you a note page um, to keep whatever, because it is kind of basic. Yeah. But it's a yeah. great place to start, um, you know. And in most places, um, or most logs that I've cut, kept, um, and I've not been keeping one that long. Maybe uh, nine months to a year. I've been keeping a, a fishing log. Yeah. And uh, I do it location based on location. So for. One day I might have four entries if I caught fish in four different places. Gotcha. So I have, you know, every place that I fish is an entry in that fishing log. Gotcha. I found that to be the best way to organize a fishing log because I really struggle with organization. Definitely. Um, everywhere, including fishing. Uh, <laughs> it kind of just transcends everything for me too. <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, in fact, uh, my fiance Jordan would probably agree that fishing is the probably most organized thing in my life. She'll get <laughs> on to me from time to time that I'm so organized, my tackle box and my boat and my log. Um, but nonetheless, but a couple things that I look at, um, I'm really at, so like we talked about right before, speckled trout has my heart. Yeah. As, I mean, that's where my passion is. I love sight fishing for redfish and I love fly fishing uh, for redfish um, but uh, I mean there's something special about a speckled trout and especially when they get above 24 inches oh, yeah. and, I, and then again when they get above 27 inches they just 
has a special place in my heart. So with that being said, I'm heavy on a barometer. So if I'm fun fishing, you know, and going for big trout or whatever the case is, I'm, I pick those days according to the barometer. Um, and the barometer or the barometric pressure um, is a just an expedited way to see what's going on. So if you see 30 point whatever or into the 30s, you know that it's probably, you can you can draw a bunch of things from that. Um, you know that it's, if you see 30 or plus, you probably know that it's blowing north and it's probably post front bluebird, you know what I mean? Especially yep. at least this time of year. Um, and you know if you see 29 or lower or 29 point something, then you can probably guess that it's you're going to get a front in the next week and now is the time to go fishing. And um, so, I, like I said, I'm heavy on a barometer. I love to see a stagnant low um, that just is waiting on that. That front is somewhere below us, South Carolina or below us, pushing in. And as that barometer climbs, the fishing will get better and better and better until that post front. Um, so, long story short, when it comes to big fish, big trout, um, and just the bite in general, um, I found that no matter the species or whether you're in a flat or, or a river or a coastal creek, I find that the bite is pretty relevant to that barometer. 100%. But that's not to say uh, you can't catch them on a high barometer. You just got to change a, a couple different things. I find it easier to catch fish on those um, pre-front lower barometer that steady climbs. Um, so with answering your question about the fishing log, I am heavy on a barometer yeah. as a fisherman. Um, but a couple other things that I, I like to jot down is what was the weather the couple days before? I think you actually mentioned that yeah. word for word on the phone earlier. Um, that and the barometer, like I said, will reflect those two yeah. things, but, uh, just weather trends in general, what was the weather? Was this an unusually warm day? So on and so forth. Um, and something, but one thing I like to jot down every time is um, what the water temperature was and what was my depth, because those things will correlate each other. Um, meaning, if it's 43 degrees, uh, for just for today is a great example. Um, I saw that it was 47 degrees, and immediately I went for my six to nine foot range of water. Um, and I was trout fishing. So, and I was able to do that because I had a fishing log that said, what did I do last time? It was 43 degrees outside. Yeah. What was my water depth? Where, what water column were the fish hanging out in last time it was 43 degrees? Um, so I like to keep track of those two things. Um, and right then you probably immediately took all these spots and just pushed them aside because you knew, all right, I'm not going to catch them here. not going to catch them here. not going to catch them here. And we're able to just kind of hit those, those key areas that you knew were that depth. Yeah, which is yeah, cool. Absolutely, absolutely, um, and that that's really pertinent down like where I'm at, a good bit north of you, um, and the topsail. You know, but we call it between the bridges. Yeah. Area. Mm -hmm. um, we have the Surf City Bridge, and then we have the 210 Bridge, and then we have the 172 Bridge that leads into the river. So, but the between the bridges area. Um, you know that covers a huge amount of water yeah. from from Jacksonville 
to the southern tip of Hampstead, you you pretty much get inshore fishing. Uh, we have flats, we have the flood tide, we have the you know negative lows, and we have a river. You know, but um, so for me in fishing in that area that kind of has it all encompassed in that area, um, for me knowing the temperatures and the depths and things like that, um, which is relative towards the species. But it, it's super, super helpful to have that. Um, Heck yeah. Is there uh, anything that keeping that journal has kind of brought to light that you didn't even really pick up on beforehand? You were like, oh, check this out, or, or anything that, that kind of stood out to you after keeping that uh, fishing log? Um, I would say the only thing that's really come to light, uh, I'm half tempted to open it, and I have it right here. I don't <laughs> even know what what exactly would would come to light if uh, anything though i mean any, any of these questions if i ask a question and it's not yeah. relevant or there, there's i mean more so than anything it seems like just having a reference to to look back at is the biggest part of that is is being able to look back and be like oh all right this is what i need to do today um yeah i think the two biggest things that otherwise i would have never um thought about well, one, definitely having that temperature to depth ratio, um, that's been huge for me. I mean, yeah. that's helped so much. Um, that and probably being able to track back and see, like, again, this relates back to trout, but to watch them stage in one spot, you know, whether it be in a bay or a creek mouth or whatever, and then see them move into the front, middle, and the back of the creek, that was pretty cool. Um, going back and looking. But, um, excuse me, Are you good? <laughs> one thing uh, that I probably would have never looked at is this particular book that I have, actually this was a Christmas present, again, uh, shout out to the fiance, Jordan Blake, <laughs> um, she got me that particular one, and one thing, this was cool, it had the location, so, um, I don't know, XYZ location, yeah. take uh, Turkey Creek, for example, because that's one of our community holes down here that everybody fishes. So then it has under that, so let's say I wrote down Turkey Creek, under that it has location details. Um, so then you're able to say I was in the front part of the creek on the second bend, on the, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. You can kind of really dial in that area. Right. Because two years down the road, when you look back, you might be like, oh, Turkey Creek, crap, oh, that's a big area. Which part was I in? So yeah, you're able to or, really kind of jump right into that spot. Yeah, or even Southwest Creek, if you're familiar with yeah. that. Um, mm -hmm. That's a freaking huge... That's, that's a, a huge creek. creek. That's a huge Especially creek. Especially for somebody from little old Holly Ridge <laughs> who fishes the waterway. Um, when the first time you're in your Southwest Creek, you're like, holy crap, this is huge. Yeah, but, and somebody in there yeah. might have 100 fish one day, and somebody in there might have no fish in a day. That's exactly. how big it is, you know? I mean, that's essentially, you know, four creek systems combined into one creek creek yeah you know the split and the main part but anyways um being able to dissect it into not just an area not just southwest creek but this hole and that hole and this and that um that's been huge and i probably would have never have even done that i would have tried to keep it mentally but um you know fishing is a forever game and you're right. not going to remember small minute details like that so that would probably be the two biggest things: the ratio to um, the ratio between water depth and temperature, and um, dissecting a spot inside of its actual, you know, just the 
geographical location. Definitely. I used to think that, you know, I can kind of keep it all in my head and remember, and I don't keep a log, which I should, but the fact, how, how often I'll tell my wife something and then the next day tell her the exact same story and completely, you know, I, I have no clue I'd told her that before. I'm like, I definitely forget tons of fishing information, probably oh, running yeah. past spots that I've caught a ton of fish in. I'll never, never remember, you know? And so, <laughs> so keeping a log is key. If you're anything like me, keeping a log is key. So I'm going to order one of those books. So that was from Amazon, the yeah, fishing log was, book. Um, I don't actually know many details about it, but I know that, uh, she got it from Amazon, and that was one of my Christmas presents. Sweet. So I like it. Uh, I'm sure if you typed in "fishing log" in Instagram, it would pop up, oh, or in sure. in uh, Amazon, it would pop up. Right. Yep. So. I'm sure it'll come up, and it's been super helpful. Mm-hmm. I've absolutely enjoyed because before that, uh, I was now I have this. I was just using your your standard. Uh, got my headphones on. Your standard notebook, yeah. like nothing special. Dude, that was absolutely chaos. Like, <laughs> just my mind on a blank sheet of paper was like, um, it was it was everywhere, and there was no consistency, right. and it was really hard to go back and read that. But I know um, I spoke with uh, Captain Ray Britton, mm-hmm. the Springtide Guide Service, and Eastern Outfitters probably three or four months ago, and we were kind of talking fishing logs and. Uh, how you how you keep them and stuff and what he does and hopefully gosh I hope he doesn't mind me sharing oh he, I, he, he's cool mind. he's a he's a fan but, of the podcast he'll be he'll, yeah, he'll be fine he's with a, dude, he's awesome he's a great uh, dude but uh so what he said he does you know for whoever this may help out is he keeps calendars so he'll go buy a 2021 calendar and so he keeps it that way like what he did on this day and stuff um, oh that's that sweet was I like understanding that understanding of what he was keeping. And I could be wrong. He might be the one to ask for better detail. But according to what I was understanding of him saying that day at the shop, is he he keeps a calendar. He just buys the yeah. That's smart. Uh, yeah, real cheap. That'd be yeah. nice because you could just flip right to like, all right, this day last year, what was going on? Right. You, know, you can look at exactly what you did this that day last year. Yeah, I like that. So I'm. I think that's a great way to do it. For if sure. you didn't do the whole Amazon where it writes it out for you, I think a whatever you call them. Uh, planner just yeah. buying a planner with every date and a little bit of notes section i think there's another great way to do it yeah for sure for sure uh, well you talked about how you love kind of following the weather and the barometric pressure and, and all these different yeah. factors that play into what makes fish go places and what makes them eat what makes them do what they do um, is there any apps any different you know websites anything like that that helps you kind of draw that together that are, that's worth sharing yeah uh windy windy is the jam um, W-I-N-D-Y. I almost misspelled it, but nonetheless. <laughs> hey, um, you're a fishing guy, man. You, you can misspell it. That's all right. I can be illiterate if I want. I won't ask you to do any math either. At least don't, don't ask me to do any math. <laughs> <laughs> we got a deal. Um, but yeah, Wendy's great because uh, not only does it tell you the wind, but then it tells you the gust, and you can look up the, um, the different like radars, satellite. And you can look up, I'm pretty sure you can look up the barometer or the barometric pressure on there. Uh-huh. Um, but I use a totally different app for that. I just use, it's called Barometer. Yeah. Um, so I click on it and it kind of looks like a speedometer. It has the, you know, I don't even know what the range is, but it pretty much stays between 29 and 30. So really quick, I mean, going down the waterway at 40 miles an hour, I can pull my phone up if I forgot to look. Know that it's a little higher or a little lower than normal. Um, so yeah, barometer, uh, windy, 
and um, those have been the two two biggest apps that I use. Nice. Um, but I also use an app. So along with that, the paper um, fishing log that I use. Yeah. I use an app called Angler Log. Okay. Um, which is probably just be me being uh, extra or <laughs> scared of losing one of the two. Because um, I do keep that with me. The log is it goes with me on the boat, and um, I'll write stuff down as as the day goes on. And then I have it on my phone as well. Because uh, you can add pictures on your phone, and I yeah. can't add a picture in that. So you have to get old school, log. print it off, and tape it on your log. <laughs> yeah, I should do that. I should create a wall or something. For That'd sure. be cool. <laughs> um, but angler log, windy, and barometer are probably the okay. three biggest. Sweet. Um, and then for the weather, I actually just googling whatever, like say Sneeds Ferry weather for the day mm-hmm. uh, for the week has I found the been been the most accurate. Sweet. Thank you. Yeah, I, so that's I, one of the biggest apps I use. I find myself using, I use Wendy sometimes, but I've, I've got this app called Fish Weather that draws a lot of stuff together that's been pretty right. helpful for me as well. Um, but they're all kind of the same. They're all pulling from all that NOAA data and just running it into their own little format right. and, and putting it out there. Um, right. And Tides, I, I pay huge attention oh, to Tides. Um, is there an app that you like for Tides? I would have to look the name up, but it's probably just Tides. Okay, Tides. Uh, I think I've got that on my phone too. I would have to look in my pocket. <laughs> I was uh, uh, I've, I've grown pretty accustomed. To, there's this one called Rise Tide. Uh, mm-hmm. That's pretty nice. You can save a bunch of different locations. You can look at a map and see where all the different Tide stations are and click on them and pull them up, which is oh, pretty no cool. Um, called Rise Tide, and that that will actually have moon phase in it and and barometric pressure as well. But you can't actually look at a barometer and like kind of see where it's trending. You can just see what it what it is. Um, but but that's pretty sweet. Um, so you mentioned moon phase. Oh um, yeah, let's let's talk I about totally moon phase. I forgot a bit. about one of my one of my apps. So basically, if I have a, I'm planning a trip, I'll I'll pretty much go through a series of clicking a few apps. And one of those apps are definitely the moon phase. Yeah. Uh, I tried it, it. It gets a lot easier once you start keeping up with it daily because it does the same thing. <laughs> You know, every the month. So, if it doesn't do the same thing, we're probably screwed. Yeah, something's wrong. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, moon phases. I'm. I like to keep up with the moon phase, especially for fun fishing. If I were to target fish, big trout again, to go back to big trout, I'm going to keep up really, really heavy with majors, minors, and moon phases. I keep up with that, and it, even as a guide, um, if I see like a, an afternoon major then I know that I can flip my number one spot and my number two spot. So if I go to my number two first, I can get that natural you know, sunrise bite that we always get. Right. And then I know there's an afternoon major, so we can go to my what was going to be my number two spot or my number one spot. You know, I can, And probably have a sense. better bite. Yeah, no, that makes great sense. And just understanding that, knowing like, all right, I don't have to go beat up my main spot first because I can, you know, I, or I, I'll go beat up, you know, my, or I'll beat up my main spot first. Right. I, I know exactly what you're saying. Now I'm trying to explain it. And I'm struggling with it. But yeah, um, I mean, it's a little tough. It, it is tough to put out there. It was up here. If you know, you know. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> um, well, cool. Well, let's. Uh, one thing I do want to do, and I forgot to mention this beforehand, is. We're going to continue. We'll talk a little bit more about tackle over on Patreon. So we'll slide over there after this and talk about some more of your tackle. Um, but I wanted to see if there was anything else speckled trout-wise this time of year. Kind of, you know, let's actually let's do this. Let's walk through your your MR or your 27 MR 
um, kind of retrieve this time of year? Like, what does it look like? You get into an area, are you changing it up at all? Do you have a tried and true retrieve where you're like, if they're going to eat, they're going to eat this? Right. Um, Definitely. um, Like I said, 27, I'm starting, now that we're seeing the 40s, I'm starting to weed it out. And that's really because I'm not patient enough. So I'm starting to go back to a 17. Um, Mardi Gras, 808. Um, And I'm not not afraid of the broken glass colors either. So that's the mirror ordeal. But I'm also heavy on a Ned rig this this time of year. Ned rig and TRD. Um, especially on a day like that's almost all I threw today. Yeah, was because we are post front. We have a thirty point three barometric pressure. Um, fish shouldn't eat today, uh, no. quote unquote. Um, but uh, yeah, I would say the those two are the are the biggest thing I'm throwing. Um, and also to go into the post front cold weather. Um, I'm also not afraid to put a drop shot on a mirror lure or a drop shot on something that is suspending to get it down just a little bit. So if it suspends, the drop shot keeps it down. So this is in the strike zone. Yeah. Um, that'd be my wintertime selection. Okay. TRDs, mirror lures, and um, drop shots. Sweet. Sweet. Um, just for a added, uh, you know, just to get it down there. It's really for being impatient. Yeah. You know, the 17's going to get down there eventually, but the drop shot speeds it up and keeps it in that strike zone. Um, but my retrieve is, for, and, and I don't really know uh, why I pick eight seconds, but once I pass seven seven feet, you know, seven to ten, I count to number eight. Um, like one it. Mississippi, two Mississippi. And at number eight, for whatever reason it is, all I'm doing is I'm putting tension on that first you know, top part of the rod. There's, there's no, there's no popping. There's no, there's no pulling. All I'm trying to do, and I'm fishing a really light tackle, medium light rod, um, typically seven six, uh, because this time of year I feel like your casting distance is, you know, pivotal. Yeah. Because the how clear the water is, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm only putting pressure. I'm only trying to bend as little as the rod as I can. Um, is that, are you doing a quick movement still, or you're just kind of pulling against it a little bit? I would say it's more of a pulling against it. I wouldn't say it's very quick at all. Okay. I'm just trying to get a very subtle twitch. Um, and just a single, just one, and then count to eight again? I wouldn't count to eight again. No, okay. I'd say three to five okay, after that. Five. Okay. And probably okay. on the three side. Oh, so an initial eight inch or eight, eight second sink, and then a yes, pop sir. and wait five seconds. Gotcha. 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 Mm-hmm. gotcha. Cool. And um, always keep intention on that line. So I am reeling periodically because a slack line, when you're trout fishing, you cannot have slack line. Right. Um, I did hear like Ralph Phillips and the guys down south, um, they'll watch their line, they'll keep slacking their line, and they'll watch it to get tight and stuff. Um, I'm Maybe I'm not to that level yet. You and I both. <laughs> I have to feel it. So I keep constant tension on my rod. Or on my line, and I want to feel it. That's my favorite part about trout fishing. I want to. I don't want to watch the bite happen. I want to feel the bite happen. It's all about that thump. It's all about that thump. We're fishing. Definitely, definitely. Um, So, is there any specific color that you find yourself? You talked about the TRD, um, and for a lot of people, man, that that Ned rig, it's intimidating because it's so small. It's got such a a small presence in the water. I think one of the important things about fishing a Ned rig is it's not the best search bait. 
You know, you want to know that there's fish there before you yeah. start throwing the net rig. At least that's how I feel because it has such a small presence in the water. But man, right. those those tough fish. Same with bass. It's like you put that net rig down there and wiggle a little bit, and they will come over there and eat it. And it oh, really 100%. does look like a turd, a TRD. Um, is there any color you find yourself kind of drawn to, to in, on the net rig in this watercolor? And and maybe even the do you have a specific like net head color that you like as well? So I do like the um, the chartreuse net head. Okay. Uh, for absolutely no reason that i can think of it just looks um, pretty on there i just like the way it looks i don't know what it replicates i've never seen anything chartreuse swimming through the water um, well he's not in the new river no, no. <laughs> but i mean I, I do like i don't know it appeals to me it catches fishermen yeah but um i think the the most of my trds are natural colors dark colors but again i think that's because i'm in the dark brown water as yeah. well um so the uh i wish i could remember the z-man names but i don't i don't know exact houdini i know it's houdini. definitely 100 percent one of them okay but uh definitely darker natural colors um with the chartreuse head for yeah. whatever reason. yeah give that a little bit of pop that color yep yep definitely and today that was that was the deal yeah. um I, we had a well i was actually solo today and me and the dog and the TRD chartreuse head and a real dark color was just, it was happening. So Heck yeah, that's awesome. Uh, that I, I found like, myself fishing the, uh, the Ned rig a lot recently for redfish this time of year. You get those really, pr- really pressured, um, these cold days and, and having that really small profile bait and having it stand up on the bottom, whether it be a TR, a TRD, I actually fish a lot of small Ned creature baits as well. Like little, little tiny, uh, I got a bunch right here. Let me see. Um, oh, let's see if I can find any. What's the Z-Man one? Like here's the uh, the TRD crawls. And for some reason, redfish love the. I need to switch over to my uh, camera here. These little crawl baits and, and creature baits. I mean, they, yeah. they just resemble a crab. I mean, they've got those claws, and they're maybe they're a little different, but. Um, the redfish like that smaller profile this time. You know, there's a lot of days where a big paddle tail will get it done, but when you get those spooky schools, yeah, slow rolling a paddle tail, dragging on the bottom. Um, but being able to, especially with that Z-Man, stand a little small bait up on one of those net heads and just kind of wiggle it as the school's going over it. And you won't see the bite, but they'll pick it up off the bottom and it works really well. So, yeah. Um, Yeah. And I'm not afraid either to, and I don't know if you saw, um, Captain CA just had one, uh, had a video about, the same thing but i'm not afraid to start cutting those down um because when you do like you were talking about and the, the post uh, post front cold weather um same thing with moving the uh rod tip just a little bit yeah super super subtle i find that like the trout tricks are just a little much movement or the crawl crawfish type baits are a little yeah little a little bit too much. much movement um so i'm not afraid to take a pair of scissors to them to make it to fit on that hook better and to like simmer down some of that movement. Yeah, but for sure. Get that uh, um, the crawfish action because you got you know you got tentacles and claws going every which way. It looks Definitely. great, but I feel like on a um, pro, a post front day, um, not that we're focusing on post front, but on on a cold day when they don't really want anything flashy, they just want it in front of their face. Um, I would definitely take a pe- pair of scissors 
Trimmer to down. a long bait or to a flashy bait. Definitely. Just like that crawfish or a trout trick or uh, the Z-Man swimmer or swim, swim something. Um, the swimmers might be swimmers. a swimmers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That, that's the cool thing about the Z-Man, man. You can trim that thing down and it'll still hold up real nicely yeah. and, and, and yeah. such, it's such like great baits. It's like trimming a fly. Yeah, you know, it is like trimming a fly. It's almost customizable in that way. It is. It, it really is. Uh, I always tie my fly, or a lot of flies, I'll tie them a little bushier than I want, and then just kind of whatever I want when I get in the water, I'll trim it down. I was doing that today. It's like, God, that thing's not sinking fast enough. I kept trimming a fly down. and uh, It's funny how little, you, you see it so much with fly fishing, because the fly's already so subtle, um, so light, and the way it sinks is so much different than something that's on a jig head or whatnot. But, you know, little... Oh, yeah. Uh, today we had to, it was it needed to be olive or it needed to be tan and it needed to be slim enough that it would fall down quickly but it didn't it, if it was kind of darting through the fish they weren't having it but if it got a quicker like suspend rate they, they were cr- we strip 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 and let, let it fall a little bit and one would get keyed in on yeah. it and bump it again and they'd eat it and um, yeah and you know we struggled through like my first fly I tied on was like a white with a little bit of pink in it and they were not liking it and then I tied in a tan with a little bit of flash in it and they running away from it and then we found that like a tan olive and they were they loved it so um, it's cool in that clear water even with the trout too um to be able to see and and play through a couple different lures a couple different baits and flies and see what kind of ends up working out right Um, unfortunately for myself around where i'm fishing this time of year if i can see trout in an area i'm probably not going to catch them You know, I've, or at least if I've gotten to the point of seeing them, if they're in a hole, I have the struggle of sight fishing so often that like, you know, I'll make a couple casts through a hole and I'll be like, God, I need to see if they're in there. And then I'll go and blow all the trout out of the hole and then go back and set up and then never get any to eat. So I'm like, I need to just be more patient, sit there, fish my way through, through a little bit more, but right, we're right on. Well, that's cool. tough. I mean, that's easy to say, but that's so hard to do oh it's yeah it can be it can be so hard to do it's like i i tell myself you know on a fun fishing day i know where some big trout might be hanging out i'm like i'm gonna go make you know i'm gonna spend four hours on this hole and just make every single cast through it with everything that i know they might eat and i get there and i make about 10 casts and i'm like screw this (laughs) my patience does not last you know some of the best um trout fishermen that i know or at least i hold them in high regards yeah um as trout fishermen who I mean like dude they're like 70 and 80 and um not saying that's old to any of the viewers um, <laughs> you might still be young but nonetheless you've been doing it a really long time right right they will go to a spot that they know there's trout in and send a mirror lure over that fish's head I mean 300 times for hours man you'll see them you'll go down the river to another spot and they're managing the one spot just <laughs> cast cast and but they have more you know, 30-inch trout and more big fish than anybody I know. Right. So I definitely think there's something to be said about that. But, man, that's hard to do. Yeah. That is really, really hard to do. Um, you can't catch them when you're running, you know? No. You can't 100%. catch them when you're running. Actually, one, of the, one of the better tournaments I had this winter, I was fishing the um, Trout Madness yeah. put on by, um, what's his, um, I don't remember what his production company's name is. But, anyways, Mike Mattis puts a Trout Madness like a, 1v1 tournament down there in Jacksonville. So anyways, one of the best tournaments I've had this that that series, um, I come out of the no-wake zone in Jacksonville, and um, turns out my trolling motor just decides to crap the bed, and I don't have a trolling motor that day. So I, I run to a spot that I know that there should be some fish in, and I drive up onto the bank, and that's where I fish for the six 
to eight hour duration of that that round wow. in the tournament. And I weighed the most fish that day. Wow, uh, that's all awesome. The other, when I had a fully operational boat. I didn't weigh as well as I did that day. Matter of fact, oh, um, that's awesome. It was a pretty good day. So that's there's cool. definitely something to be said about man dedicate that day to that spot that you think there's fish in. Um, most definitely. Um, there's a, I don't know if you follow bass fishing, but there's a guy, Jordan Lee, who's won two Bassmaster mm-hmm. classics. And, and one of those, his boat broke down in a spot and he sat there and fished that spot the entire day and won the Bassmaster classic fish. Oh, yeah. Beating up that one spot. And so, I mean, if the fish are there and you know, the big fish are there, spin, yeah. I mean, you're not going to catch those big fish there somewhere else. If you know, they're in that one spot. So sit there and, That's exactly right. and I can say this all day long on every podcast and it still <laughs> is so hard for me to go do that myself. But, uh, I yeah. think I like just running around, man. I'm a wild man. So. Yeah. I just like driving my boat. More than all. <laughs> I do too. I do too. Was there anything else? And, and again, for the listeners, we're also going to hop over and record a little bit of extra Patreon content for y'all to listen on over there if you are a Patreon member. But is there anything else you want to touch on over here before we end this podcast? Um, Any encouraging yeah. words, enlightening words? Uh, Good fishing there's story. There's no substitute for time on the water. That, that's fishing, the truth. <laughs> um, it's so discouraging. Once you start keeping a fishing log, it's so discouraging because you'll look at it and be like, I shouldn't catch a single fish today. We're northeast 20 miles an hour and post front, and it's bluebird outside and blah, blah, blah. But um, uh, like me and me and you were just talking about on the phone before this podcast, there, you, you need to just go fishing right. because – there's no substitute for time on the water. Definitely, um, you'll go on days that the there will be zero percent chance of catching fish. The majors and the minors are like that big, and but um, you'll have some of your best days. Matter of fact, my personal best trout came on a day similar to that. It was like 30 miles an hour northeast, and um, the only thing I could do is get tucked way back in this creek. And the only fish I caught that day was. Um, my ended up being my personal best trout. Heck so. yeah! What's your personal best trout? Oh, you don't have to share it. You don't have to share it. We we no, can we can let it ride. It's, it's better. I'm sure it's better than mine. Nine pounds, uh, twenty eight three quarters. Whoo! Uh, it's definitely better. So yeah, than that ten pounder is haunting me. That thirty inch or ten pounder, whatever. Um, year after year, I get in the twenty sevens, twenty eights, and I just I can't do it, man. I can't break it. Oh man. So, but, it, Nonetheless, I say that to say, um, go fishing. I mean, there's no substitute for time on the water. Um, you learn something whether you catch a fish or not, uh, which is a conversation you and I just had. Was like, there's notes to be made every time you drop your boat in the water. Um, just zero substitute for time on the water. To be a good angler, you have to go and go a lot. Yeah, and really learn your fishery. So agreed. That's, that's about all I got. Can't catch them from the couch. <laughs> well, guys, thank y'all so much for, uh, first off, Ozzy, thank you for coming on to the podcast and chatting with us. Um, and guys, thanks again for checking out another Eastern Current podcast. If you love this podcast, share it with your friends. Uh, definitely leave us a review on iTunes. That helps a lot. As The more reviews we get on iTunes, the more iTunes realize, all right, this isn't a, a load of crap. This is a decent podcast. So we definitely appreciate those, uh, those reviews. And um, thanks so much for y'all's support. And we'll see y'all next week. Later.